Alright, what's going on everybody? It's Nairby from SerialAndGraveJuice.com I am Nairby on Twitter, I am Nairby on Instagram I'm also Nairby on Science Tests every single year Speaking of which, it's time for another episode of Degrassi Buddy This is episode 17, where we will be recapping Degrassi High Season 1, episodes 11, 12, and 13 And before we begin, I just want to give a shout out to a podcast, another Degrassi podcast uh, Narbos and Broomheads uh, discovered them earlier this week. Check them out. They, you know, unlike you know my dumbass, they have multiple people recapping and giving memories. So they have their, they also have their uh, 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 memories and stories. So go we'll check them out. Narbos and Broomheads available on multi platforms. As is officially as of now. Ner, uh, Nerbia, the Degrassi buddy. Not only on SoundCloud, but also you can find Degrassi Buddy on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. That's right. I'm late to the party, but I'm going places, so I'm just going to sit here and wait for the money to come pouring in. So go check out Narbles and Broomsticks, Broom, Broomheads. Check them out. They're, uh, they're very interesting. Actually, you know what? They don't give me money. They didn't pay for this plug, so memo to, memo to self, edit that whole thing out. Yeah, anyway, so here we go. Degrassi buddy, uh, starting with season one, episode eleven, air date January sixteenth, nineteen ninety. Title: All in a Good Cause. Oh man, oh, let's just get to it. Yeah, we start in the halls of Degrassi High, where Caitlin and Claude, oh that guy, are handing out. Uh, they're handing out flyers for a uh, rally for People for Peace, uh, and. Uh, Claude tells Caitlin about a factory nearby. They're they're making nuclear warhead parts, and uh, Caitlin is well, both of them. But Caitlin uh, is wearing a uh, le- wait, I'm sure it's a faux leather jacket with a uh, uh, symbol on the back, as is uh, Claude. Uh, but yeah, it was interesting. It, well, I don't know what wasn't. It was not cool seeing her in this jacket because you just know she's just hanging with this idiot, but she's wearing it anyway. Claude says to Caitlin that he really wants to do something about this factory and their nuclear warhead parts. Caitlin asks him what they're going to do. And Claude tells, says that he doesn't know, but he's going to do something. And he really means it. <laughs> and that's when we get the intro. After the intro, Claude is still handing out flyers for People for Peace. When a student uh, uh, receives one and she reads the title, which says, No nukes is good nukes. And she's upset that Claude didn't meet with her to work on a project earlier. He gives her. He then gives a flyer to Dwayne, who is carrying a big fake axe, which is probably for an upcoming talent show. We see a sign in the background, you know, for an upcoming talent show. Hmm, you know, foreshadowing sounds very uh, soothing, black and warm. <laughs> anyway, this this girl student, she doesn't seem to buy Claude's passion, as last year it was all about saving the whales. And she says that next year it's just going to be about pigeons being people too. That's the kind of thing you'd see, uh, careful with my words, uh, people do on social media these days. I mean, veering off, segueing real quick. Have you heard, anyway, any of you ever hear the story about a woman uh, who claims to have married, yes, married, M-A-R-R-I-E-D, a train station? For real. Look it up on Google. She claims to be married to a train station and talks to it and has a relationship to it, with it, uh, 
Don't take my word for it. Google it. She's insane. So anyway, this girl chastises Claude as she's been doing all the work for their project. And uh, this scene is most likely not on the Canadian TV version, so it might not be on the YouTube version, but yeah, yeah, it happened. Claude tells this girl that he's sorry and to give him the art supplies as he is really busy, but he'll try to work on it, the, the project later. And the girl tells him that he better try as the project is due next week. Caitlin arrives and Claude tells her that he knows what, he's, uh, what, he's, what to do about the factory. He'll get people for peace to organize a rally. And Caitlin likes the idea. And they kiss. And Caitlin gets cooties. And they head to class. In Radich's sciencey class, he gives out homework. And Luke complains about that Mr. Webster never gave them that much, that much homework. Radich says that, he does, that he, he, he does give that much homework. And to imagine how happy Mr. Webster will be when he returns and sees how far ahead everyone is. And he takes Luke's chips... That he and Yick are just eating in class. Uh, I remember back in the day in high school, we couldn't just eat anything in class except for one class. Uh, it was um, uh, it, w- it was a class, and the teacher said uh, that there's no eating in class unless you bring something for him. And yeah, so I think one day a, st- a student brought lolly a lollipop, and she gave one to the teacher, so it was okay for her to have a lollipop too. So yeah, that was his rule. Oh well. Anyway, afterward, Alex discusses uh, with the class how much money they've raised for UNICEF, but it isn't enough. It's one hundred and forty-three dollars, and they are in a competition with Nine B, who raised two hundred and twenty dollars so far. And they've uh, challenged to see who can raise the most money, and the losers have to be the winners' slaves for a day. Alex says that he wants to see everyone at a car wash that they have got planned, and the class cheers. Class then ends and Arthur starts to approach Yick and calls out to him, but Yick ignores him as he's just talking to Luke. Oh, the dynamic, the original dynamic duo. Ah, it's a thing of the past. It's interesting all the characters that are a thing of the past. There's no more Stephanie, no more Rick, uh, Susie. Yeah, it's like they're just a distant memory. Anyway, in the halls, Kathleen is at her locker when Scott the douche approaches her. And he asks if he can drive her home and Kathleen says no. Scott says that he misses Kathleen, and he's sorry, and Kathleen tells him to leave her alone as Melanie and Diana show up. We then go to Alex's locker where he's approached by a 9B student who asks Alex if he's ready to be his slave next week. Alex says that after the car wash, they'll be rolling in money. Elsewhere in the halls, Bronco and another student are performing a rap about UNICEF. Caitlin walks by and she's greeted by Maya who asks, uh, who asks Caitlin if she's going to the car wash. Caitlin says that she is not, as she's going to the People for Peace rally. Maya is not happy about this, as Caitlin thinks People for Peace is more important than UNICEF. And Caitlin actually says, because she's got douche cooties, she says that what's the point of saving a bunch of kids if the whole world's going to blow up? And this understandably upsets Maya, because Caitlin is infested with clothed cooties. Maya then says that she and Caitlin were supposed to go to the movies last week, but Caitlin backed out because Claude... Oh no, she called him Claude. Because Claude wanted to see foreign movies. And Caitlin, because of cooties, corrects Maya on Claude's name. <laughs> and then uh, Maya... Uh, no, uh, the, uh, Maya says they were supposed to go canvassing with Melanie and others, but Caitlin couldn't because Claude wanted to make flyers. Maya then tells Caitlin that she's shoving her friends aside for the sake of Claude. And Caitlin says that it's not like that. 
But Maya doesn't believe it and she just leaves. Later on, the students uh, try to have a car wash uh, to get ahead of the 9B class. And at this car wash, we see Bond, we see Tessa, we see Alex. And they're all excited as Alex claims, he exclaims, when you're talking, when you're taking, when you're talking car washes, you're talking gold mine. Uh, that used to be the case back in the day. I don't know if uh, schools uh, still do that now. Uh, I'm sure they do. People still drive and they want their cars washed. I don't know. Kathleen, Melanie, Maya, and Diana are also there, as well as Luke and Yick. Arthur and his hair show up, and they brought a chamois with them. Yick and Luke make fun of Arthur and his chamois. And Luke calls Arthur a nerd and tries to walk away, but Arthur grabs Luke's shoulder and asks him why he's always calling him a nerd. And can't say something like that without backing it up. And that's why I say they needed to give Arthur like a buzz cut and and to take take the dress shirts away from him. Because he, he could have looked like a cool dude. The Duncan Waff was an excellent actor, but they they stuck him with this 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 nerd gimmick. Come on, man. Anyway, Luke tells Arthur that he does everything by the rules. Arthur, that is. He, Arthur never takes chances, and he doesn't know how to have fun. Arthur disagrees, and Luke jokes that Arthur takes chances by forgetting to floss his teeth as Yick's standing there laughing. Oh, man. Come on, Yick. Mr. Radish then shows up to get the first car wash of the day as poor Arthur is left looking sad with his chamois. Meanwhile, at People for Peace, Claude tries to convince... <laughs> He tries to convince them to bring up the nuclear to bring up the nuclear missiles sooner than uh, one month, because uh, yeah, that's we need to do something now. But uh, the the people for peace guy says they'll lose their credibility if they attack every little thing. Uh, just go on, yeah, Claude would be in heaven on Twitter. Claude, that character, bloody hell. Claude then suggests throwing bricks through their windows. And the People for Peace guy says, you don't take the law into your own hands. And I was thinking, yeah, tell, tell the year 2020 that. Claude then turns his back on the people, the guy, P for P but guy. And he folds his arms and he stands there like a pouty little child. The People for Peace guy insists, in, that's so hard to say. The Peace, let's call him the Peace guy. The Peace guy insists that they have to play the media carefully. Yeah, well, tell the tell 2020 that. God, what a nightmare Twitter is. Anyway, meanwhile, the car wash is done, and the class only made $20. And they're not happy about it. And then they try to come up with another way to raise money fast, and Arthur suggests toilet papering a teacher's tree and have people bet on whether or not they'll succeed. Luke suggests toilet papering Radich's tree, and the students like the idea. Maya then asks who's going to do it, and Alex says that he would do it, but he's got a bad leg. Luke then says that he'll go, but Arthur tells him that he'll go, meaning Arthur and his hair will go. Which surprises Luke, as Arthur says that he'll go, since it was his idea, as Luke, as uh, Yick stands there looking on at his uh, one-time best buddy and his sudden rebellion, his rebelliousness. Later on, Claude and Caitlin show up at the nuke factory... And they're annoyed by the by the peace group that they're not taking any immediate action. And he just figures he can graffiti anti-nuclear message on their walls, but Caitlin doesn't like the idea. But Claude doesn't care. And he brings up the revolutionaries who fought and risked their lives as opposed to stuffing envelopes. 
Caitlin says that it wouldn't be nice to spray paint on their walls, as it would be vandalism. It wouldn't be nice. <laughs> Claude's wall well, wouldn't be nice. Claude then says that nuclear missiles are murder, as he holds a can of spray paint in his hand. Later, Caitlin and Claude arrive at Caitlin's house where Caitlin's mom is there. Caitlin asks if it's okay if Claude stays for dinner. And her mom says yes, but it'll be late as her dad is stuck in a meeting. Yeah, foreshadowing. We all know where this is going, don't we? Caitlin's mom then asks how things are up at P for P. And Claude says that they got they ooh, they, you know he's just he he's sarcastic about how they got the stuff envelopes. Caitlin's mom says that that's part of it. And when she was young, she took part in protests and marches, and was once arrested for chaining herself to a fence. Caitlin's mom then leaves, and Claude tells Caitlin. That even her mom agrees that sometimes you have to take things in your own hands, but Caitlin still doesn't want to spray paint on the factory walls because, you know, it's not nice. Claude then tells Caitlin that he's going to paint slogans tomorrow night with or without Caitlin's help. The next day on the way to school, Alex is taking bets on whether Arthur will toilet paper Radish's tree and Dorothy is surprised by it. She asks Alex how they're going to know if Arthur really does it and suggests that the tape that's, you know, some pictures be taken afterwards and Alex, you know, he... Figures that's a good idea, which is true. You don't have to prove it. We go to the hallways where Kathleen bumps into Scott again. And Kathleen just keeps walking, even after Scott says hi. We then go to science class. Alex tells the class that they're getting a lot of bets, but they can't actually collect the money because people want picture proof. Tessa says that she has a camera. And Alex says that Tessa can go with Arthur, but Arthur wants Yick to go with him. Yick is surprised by this, and Arthur basically dares Yick. He says, you know, what are, what are you, chicken? You chicken? Right in front of Luke, who laughs. Yick says that he's not a chicken, and he agrees as Radich arrives for science class. Because uh, Webster is, uh, he probably got kissed by Claude, too, and he's, he's got cooties. Later on, Caitlin asks Claude if he's still going to paint slogans, and asks, what if he gets caught? Claude tells her that he's not afraid, as MLK didn't worry about getting caught. This clown, just like a lot of online freaking armchair activists today, are nothing compared to MLK, for crying out loud. Claude says that Che Guevara didn't worry either, and neither did the Chicago 7. Caitlin asks Claude, who are the Chicago 7? And Claude replies, well, they were seven guys from Chicago. <laughs> For real. <laughs> Friggin' loser. Bloody, this, as I said, this dude, he, he belongs on Twitter, this guy. I'm, I'm on Twitter, but oh my god, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's icky. It, it feels like I've got cooties just being on there sometimes, seeing all the stuff people are talking about. Bloody hell. Claude says that they did really radical things to Chicago 7. Caitlin asks, like what? And Claude replies, like lots of things. <laughs> oh, I hate this guy. This guy is what 90% of these armchair activists are today as far as I'm concerned. He doesn't know a damn thing about anything. Okay, He's one of these clowns who sees a link to a news article Reads the headline and boom, I know everything. <laughs> That's Claude. That's why he's a freaking Claude and a half. Claude again asks Caitlin to go with him. As it's not vandalism, it's only a statement. And Caitlin then agrees to go with Claude to the factory. And they kiss and Caitlin is filled with more cooties. 
Elsewhere, Yik asks, asks Arthur what time they're going to meet tonight, and Arthur says midnight. Yik says that his parents won't let him out that late. Arthur says that that's the reason the kids got caught toilet papering Mr. Webster's tree last year, because Mr. Webster was still awake. Arthur then says that if Yik is too chicken, he doesn't have to go, and Yik says that he's not chicken, and he agrees to meet at midnight. Later on, Kathleen is walking home alone from school, when once again, Scott the Deuce shows up. Kathleen, I got you a present. I said I got you a present. Let go of me. Listen, I'm getting really sick and tired of the way you're acting, okay? This is for you. I don't want anything from you. I did this for you. Let me go. Is this the thanks I get, huh? Scott, please. You're hurting me. I tell you, man. I want to smash that guy's face into the frickin' ground over and over and over again until I've dug a hole to Australia. That clown. That scumbag. Later on, it's 11.45 p.m. And Arthur and his hair, they sneak out with bags of toilet paper as his, you know, his, his sponge mullet is popping out of his toque. <laughs> Kaylin is also sneaking out to head to the factory. We then go to Radish's house. And Yick and Arthur see that there's no tree there. So they decide to toilet paper the front porch instead. And it was awesome seeing these two hanging out together again. It really was. It was great. Even though uh, uh, Yick is just too cool for school now, I guess. And Arthur Arthur needs a haircut big time. We then go back to the factory. Caitlin is there waiting for Claude to show up. He shows up and they see a security guard outside and they hide Claude then asks Kaylin if she's sure that she wants to do this, and Kaylin reluctantly says yes. The guard heads back inside, and Claude and Kaylin starts to scale the fence on, onto factory pop property. At the top of the fence, Kaylin gets her clothes stuck on some barbed wire. She calls out to Claude for help. He goes back and he helps to untangle her from the barbed wire, and then they head in to do some spray paint. We go back to Radich's house where Yick and Arthur have toilet papered the front bushes and the front porch. Arthur finishes and Yick takes a Polaroid and the flash is really bright. They take some more pictures and finally Radich opens his front door as Yick and Arthur run off. Radich sees that some shenanigans have been happening in his, you know, while he's been sleeping. He tries to catch a glimpse of the culprits, but uh, I don't know, maybe he will, we'll see. We then go back to the factory. Claude finishes spray painting no nukes is good nukes on the factory wall. Kaylin is not done painting her piece yet as then the security guard once again shows up. She and Claude run off and attempt to climb back over the fence. Claude makes it over but Kaylin gets tangled once again at the top and she calls out to Claude to give her some help. Claude sees the, the guard is chasing after them and upon seeing this, just like MLK and Chicago 7, Claude takes off and he leaves Kaylin stranded. And she eventually gets caught because she dated a scumbag. Oh, that guy. Never liked him. As I said at the the Degrassi Buddy when we started recapping uh, Degrassi High, when I first saw in the opening where Kaylin was getting kissed by a dude who obviously wasn't Joey, I knew whoever it was, I wasn't going to like him. And it happened to be this idiot. At school the next day, Kathleen arrives and her arm is in a sling. As Scott gets out of his car and he starts to approach her. No. No, I thought they 
Why did you call the police? I was at the station all night. How could you do this to me? How could you do this to me? I'm sorry. I, I really am. Just... Please drop the charges. Don't ever talk to me again. Don't even come near me. You're not allowed to. If you do, I'll call the police and I'll have you charged again. I tell you, I want to take this dude's face and I want to slam his face into Spike's. Not Spike's face, but real Spike's. Rusty Spike's with that part that have some of the, 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 the surface chipped away. So they'll give him extra paper cuts as his face goes impaling through them. Friggin' piece of garbage. We then go to science class, and before classes begin, Yick and Arthur are showing the kids the pictures that they took, and they're congratulated. Luke uh, shows up, and he sees the pictures, and he's impressed with Arthur, and they give each other a little fist bump, thus making Arthur and his hair cool. Raditz then shows up, and he congratulates the class for raising more money than 9B and winning the little bet that they had. Raditz then requests Yick and Arthur stop by his house that day to help him clean up some paper. As most likely Arthur's hair gave them away. As <laughs> it was just sticking out. <laughs> ah, but it was still great seeing Yeek and Arthur you know, on one of their classic capers again. It was awesome. Anyway, meanwhile, Caitlin is at her locker. And she's back to wearing her usual clothes. And she's tearing down People for, people for Peace flyers that she had posted on the inside of her locker door when Claude arrives. I went by the factory. They've cleaned off what we wrote. Oh, great. So I get a record for nothing. Record? Please charge me with trespassing. I have to go to court in two weeks. Sorry. You ran. There wasn't any point in both of us getting caught. My parents aren't cool like yours. They wouldn't have understood. You think mine liked it? Your mom got arrested once, too. Not for vandalism. I was stuck. You could have helped me. You said you weren't afraid to get caught. You won't tell anyone, will you? What, that you ran away? You won't tell anyone. Uh, screw that guy. Screw him with rusty screws after you impale Scott's face with spikes. Go live on Twitter, you friggin' fake activist. Anyway, that was the end of the episode. Thank God. Claude. Well, we're not done with Claude, as we're going to find out in future episodes, but uh, at least at least that 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 god awful whoever wrote whoever had the idea. Well, uh, I guess yeah, I guess you had to do it, you know, just to make things interesting. I mean, I'm sure I was not the only one just hoping slash waiting for Claude and Caitlin to break the hell up, and thank God it happened sooner than later in the first season. 
So anyway, we now go to Degrassi High, Season 1, Episode 12, air date January 23rd, 1990, entitled Natural Attraction. We start where Heather is in bed sleeping. She's having a bad dream, remembering, uh, dreaming about Erica's abortion. And Heather's saying, stop it in her sleep over and over. While we see flashbacks of the uh, abortion, uh, abortion episodes. Heather then quickly wakes up and she sees Erica sound asleep in the bed next to her. And we get the intro. After the intro, Lucy, Alexa, and Heather are sitting in the hall studying for a test. When Alexa notices Erica talking to a guy named Blaine. Who's in grade uh, 11. I was going to say 7. In grade 11. The bell rings and Lucy and Alexa and Heather run over to Erica to learn more about the guy. Well, Lucy and Alexa ran over to him. Heather obviously knows. Erica tells him that his name is Blaine and he's so nice. As Lucy replies that he's not nice, he's hot. Erica then says that she and Blaine are going to a movie tonight. As Heather follows from behind, looking not very happy at all. Later on, classes end and Tessa is ogling Scooter. (laughs) Dorothy tells Tessa... Go! But Tessa says she's too nervous as there's a dance tomorrow. And she wants to go with Scooter, but she thinks that, you know, Scooter should ask because Scooter's the boy. Yeah, so much for progress, right? But then again, this was uh, 1990. Dorothy convinces Tessa to ask Scooter. And she wa- they walk over to Scooter, who's there talking with Bond. Dorothy asks them if they're going to be going to the dance. And, the, and Scooter says, well, they both say no. Bond chimes in and he says that there's a documentary about turtles on. <laughs> Dorothy asks if they'd really rather watch a documentary about turtles instead of going to the dance. And Bond replies that marine reptiles that reptiles are surprisingly fascinating. I don't know if you can hear the slight banging from the person living in the floor above me. But yes, if you can, there's nothing I can do. Okay, I'd like to send Claude up there, give him some cooties, but I can't do it. Live with it. Anyway, Scooter nods his head in agreement about the marine reptiles being fascinating. And Tessa's standing there looking sad. Tessa and Dorothy then leave, and Scooter asks Bond if he's noticed that Tessa has changed. And Bond replies, no, she was wearing that in class. (laughs) Scooter starts to say that he meant something else when he realizes that Bond was joking. Bond then jokes with Scooter about being in love as they head to lunch. In the cafeteria, Heather is trying to study, but Erica is busy watching Blaine, who's standing in the lunch line. And upon seeing this, Heather is not happy. Erica remarks that Blaine keeps reminding her of somebody, but she doesn't know who. Heather then says that she knows who. It's Jason. The guy that got Erica pregnant, and Erica excitedly agrees as Heather reminds Erica of the pregnancy, which turns them both into somber moods. Meanwhile, Amy and Allison are in the cafeteria as they rate Wheels, who walks by. Amy gives uh, Wheels a 7 as Allison gives him a 4. Amy is wearing this god-awful orange sweater with a bunch of puff balls all over it. I'm sure people who know this show, or are familiar with this show, know the sweater I'm talking about. That sweater was lame and god-awful even back in 1990. Amy then points out that Snake, or points out Snake to Allison, who says that she doesn't like Snake anymore, but Amy doesn't believe her. Amy says that Snake is cute, as they then discuss a problem that they both have. Because you see, neither of them have a date for the upcoming dance, surprise, surprise. (laughs) 
I'm sure a lot of young. I never. I'm sure a lot of young dudes back in the day crushed on oh, these two. Uh, based on what I see on Facebook, I hear it seems that Allison was the one that most of them crushed on. I never crushed on either of them because the the, the, the gossipy snob shit just was a huge turn off, big time. Allison says that she's going to have a date by the end of the day, and she says that she can get Nick, Dwayne's bully friend, to ask her. Amy then says that she's going to find a date too. Later on, Allison approaches Nick in the hallway and asks him if he's going to the dance. And while doing this, Snakes walks over to Amy, and he asks Amy if he asks Amy to the dance, and Amy happily accepts, just out of the blue, Snake, which once again had me one thinking, well, what about Melanie? Damn it! Why was that suddenly just nothing? No closure to that at all. They went to the 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 see the series finale of Degrassi Junior High. They went to the 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 the, the graduation dance together. They were fawning for each other the entire friggin' Degrassi Junior High run for crying out loud, and all of a sudden, Degrassi High Episode 1, gone. Why couldn't they just keep that going, man? Come on. Anyway, after school, Blaine calls out to Erica to take her to the movies. Erica looks like she smudged the hell out of her lipstick, as as I noticed. It looks like her upper lip was very rosy, but it's probably just the lighting. You know, but what do I know? I'm just a dude. (laughs) Anyway, Erica heads off with Blaine in his car as Heather watches on in concern. We go back to the halls inside as Allison tells Amy that she got Nick to ask her to the dance and she wants to borrow Amy's flowered shirt. Amy agrees and tells Allison that Snake asked her to the dance and wants to borrow Allison's red shoes. Upon hearing this, Allison is not happy about Snake asking Amy to the dance and she admits that she still likes Snake and she calls Amy a traitor. God God. Girls like this. She then says that Amy can't borrow her red shoes as she storms off. Elsewhere, Dorothy and Tessa track down Scooter and Bond, and Dorothy tells Scooter that Tessa has something to ask him. Tessa, Tessa tries to get her question out, but can't when Dorothy jumps in and asks Scooter for her if Scooter uh, 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 if Scooter will go to the dance with uh, Tessa. Scooter agrees, and they walk away. As Bond is upset, I mean, when I say they walk away, well, Tessa is Tessa is happy about this. They walked away, but Bond ain't happy about it because he's gonna because he because Scooter's gonna miss the turtle show. <laughs> but Scooter wants to go to the dance. It will, as it's because it's gonna be his first date. And then we go back to the twins' house. Erica finally gets home, and she gets home late. And she goes on and on about how nice Blaine is. She tells Heather that they kissed. And they're going to the dance together. Heather then asks if Blaine is a better kisser than Jason, which surprises Erica. Heather then says that Blaine will think Erica's easy by kissing him on the first date, and Erica brings up Heather and Wheels kissing at the party. Heather says that it, that, that was different, as she and Wheels have known each other for years, while Erica just met Blaine. Erica tells Heather that she can live her own life, and she doesn't need a lecture. Later that night, Heather is weeping in her sleep again about about the abortion. And she wakes up Erica, who wakes Heather up from a bad dream. Heather says that it's been nine months, and the baby would have been born about now. She asks Erica if she ever if she wishes that she hadn't gotten an abortion. Erica says no. That uh, she she doesn't wish that she didn't get an abortion, but she wishes that she never got pregnant. 
and she just wants to move on, which was recommended to her by her counselor. The next morning at school, Erica is excited about the dance later that night as Heather is still worried. Erica greets Lucy and Alexa and excitedly tells them that Blaine is taking her to the dance and that they can meet him. We go around the corner. Bond asks Scooter if, he's wa- if he watched Space Cadets last night. As time travel is an, extre- is an intriguing concept, which I agree, time travel, space in general, but time travel in- included, yeah. Scooter says that he didn't watch TV last night as he's got a problem. He doesn't know how to slow dance. He says he can regular dance, but he can't slow dance. I mean, I, most people, how, how hard is slow dancing? Come on, you just, you just sway side to side. Come on, man. Bond tells Scooter that everyone can slow dance, but Scooter says that he can't. Bond then happily offers his services. <laughs> and he tells Scooter that slow dancing is easy. And it's all about counting. <laughs> Bond then takes Scooter to an empty classroom and teaches Scooter to dance. Scooter says that he feels like a broomhead and Bond tells Scooter that he can feel like a broomhead now or feel like a broomhead at the dance. They then start to dance together as they both count one, two, three, one, two, three in unison. Dancing slowly. <laughs> and as they're doing this, Luke passes by the outside and he sees them while look, as looking through the door window. And he calls Clutch over. And they both laugh outside of the door as Bond and Scooter continue to dance. One, two, three, one, two, three. And uh, I notice Bond is several inches taller than Scooter. So he, he has to bend awkwardly to the point where he's practically... Well, he wasn't... Pra- he was resting his chin on Scooter's shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that, but there is something wrong with one, two, three, one, two, three. <laughs> we go back to the twins' houses where they're, they're getting ready for the dance as Blaine arrives to pick up Erica. Heather tells Erica to be careful, and Erica assures Heather that everything will be fine, and she leaves as Heather looks worried. We then cut to the dance where Erica is dancing closely with Blaine. A lot closer than, uh, 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 Bond and Scooter were. And uh, Blaine then whispers in Erica's ear, and they walk off somewhere. Meanwhile, Scooter awkwardly asks Tessa if he can get her another pop. <laughs> I'll never get over how weird that sounds. Even though, as I said before, the I, I call it pop. I call soda pop. But hearing other people say it on TV is just, wow. It's just, wow, it's weird. Tessa said that she doesn't want another pop. <laughs> And she asks Scooter if he wants to dance, and he reluctantly agrees. They get out on the dance floor as a slope song is, is performing. <laughs> Scooter places Tessa's hands on his shoulder. <laughs> and then they start to one, two, three dance as people <laughs> look on in just, just shock and awe. <laughs> as Tessa doesn't know what the hell is going on, but she goes along with it anyway. We then go to the girls' bathroom where Allison is... Uh, I guess she's freshening up. I guess that's what what uh, the females mean when they when they say they're freshening up. She's she's looking into a mirror and, do, and she's doing stuff with her face. Anyway, Amy walks in, and uh, yeah. I like that's my sweater. So so I want it back now. You said I could borrow it for as long as I wanted. That was before. When we were friends. Fine. Then you can give me back my scarf. No problem. 
And while you're at it, those are my shoes. I want them back. What am I gonna wear? That's your problem. You can't hog all the guys. He wasn't even interested in you. You said so yourself. That's my belt. I want it back. It's ugly anyway. Only on you. And by the way, that's my shirt you're wearing. I want it back. Then you can give me back my skirt, which I lent you. Fine. You know, you're really childish. I'm childish? What about you? Compared to you? <sighs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with what Tabby and her friend think that they walked in on. Nothing wrong with that at all. But, uh, girl stuff. Uh, uh, girl stuff. I never went through any of that with that, that kind of stuff with my male friends back in the day. Uh, girl stuff. Come on, man. Learn to dance. Like Scooter. Anyway, meanwhile, Heather cannot find Erica anywhere at the dance. So she goes on the hunt for her. She bumps into Alex... Oh, sorry, Alexa, who was with Dumb Simon, and Lucy, who was with Clutch. Alexa tells Heather that Erica went off that way with Blaine, that hunk Blaine. As Heather, upon hearing this, is alarmed. She goes running, and she finds Erica and Blaine making out in the staircase. Having a good time? Heather, what are you doing? Moving a little fast, aren't we? What? This is how it began with Jason. You're going to do it again, aren't you? Just like the summer. Heather, what are you talking about? You don't care what happens. You don't care what you did. Everything is you, you, you. You don't care how I feel. Heather? And I'll tell you, man, I couldn't help but feel for Heather... As she was kind, of, she was kind of guilt tripped into supporting Erica with the whole abortion thing when Erica played the "We Are Sisters" card and cried. So I, I did feel quite a bit for Heather here. She, even though you know Erica's the one who had to go through it, she she was forced, like Scooter forces people to dance. And then when we go back home, Erica returns home as Heather is there lying in bed upset. Erica tries to talk to her, but Heather doesn't want to talk. Erica says that they were just kissing, and Heather says that that's just like what happened with Jason. Erica insists that she learned her lesson after the Jason incident, and she wouldn't do that again as Heather starts to cry, stating that she helped to kill a person. Erica says that it wasn't a person, but Heather says that it was to her. Erica suggests that Heather talk to her counselor, but Heather doesn't want to. Erica then insists that Heather talk to someone as Heather continues crying and she says that it just hurts a lot. They embrace, and we get the credits. A very good, uh, good episode. Going back to some of the old stuff, learning some dance moves, and uh, this was uh, the first one where we finally see uh, uh, Tessa getting uh, a some major screen time, and uh, she'll get even more. Uh, well, coming up next, she's going to get even more as we. 
move on to episode season one, episode thirteen of Grassy High. Air date January thirtieth, nineteen ninety. Title: Testing one two three. We start where Joey's working on a paper or an essay that uh, has to be submitted for Mister Wallfish's class. Snake is trying to get him to hurry up and turn it in because they both are going to be going for their driving tests again after failing the first time. Joey finishes his essay and is excited about it, believing that it's definitely an A paper. And we get the intro. After the intro, Mr. Walfish tells the students that he was pleased with their essays, but Joey got a D- on his with a message at the top saying that Walfish wants to see him. And as the students leave, Joey is congratulated on getting his license. So Joey got his license in between the pre-intro and post-intro. Well done, Joey. Elsewhere, Alexa... Ale, no, in the same class, actually. Alex asks... No, elsewhere. Yeah. Alex, uh, Alex asks Bond if he's up for a game of Spit later, which is a card game. I think I vaguely have heard of it. I don't think I've ever played it. I might have, but back in the day. Uh, and uh, Bond agrees as Tessa watches from behind and she's got a concerned look on her face and she wonders to Dorothy how Alex and Bond can just play card games when there's a big science test, science test tomorrow we go back to Walfish's class and he tells Joey that he thinks Joey's problem might be bigger than not trying and that's why they gave him a special test last week and the results are in and they've got an appointment to see the psychologist with his parents later on meanwhile Caitlin is at her locker when Claude arrives, he taps her on the shoulder, but she's not happy to see him, unlike previous episodes. Claude asks Caitlin when her court date is, and he asks her what she thinks is going to happen. Caitlin says that she doesn't know what's going to happen. She doesn't know what happens to people who vandalize. Claude then asks Caitlin to forgive him. He says that he's really sorry. Caitlin says that if he's really sorry, he'll go with her to her, to her court date, which is, uh, I think she said on Thursday or something. And Claude agrees. Later on, classes end as Tessa is worried still about the science test tomorrow. And Scooter suggests that she talk with Alex or just ask Alex for help because Alex always gets good marks. Elsewhere in class, Maya apologizes to Caitlin for not being able to go to court to support her because Maya's got a doctor's appointment. And she wonders if Caitlin wants to get back with Claude. And Caitlin says no, she just wants someone to be there other than the lawyer. We go to the hallways where Te- Tessa approaches Alex for help with, the, with science, but Alex says that he cannot help. He can't help her. Tessa pleads more, and she says that if she flunks the course, she's going to have to go to summer school. And she pleads more and more, and Alex eventually agrees on the condition that she help him with geography and Tessa agrees Alex then makes makes Tessa also promise not to tell anybody what he's about to tell her and Tessa agrees is when Alex tells Tessa that he doesn't understand Mr. Webster's science class at all either but you see apparently Mr. Webster gives the same tests every single year and Alex's brother was in Mr. Webster's science class three years late earlier, and he kept all of his stuff, and Alex has a copy of the very test. And he uh, agree, he arranges to meet with Tessa in the library so they can make copies of it. 
We go to lunch where Joey bumps into Caitlin and he tells her that he heard that she broke up with that guy and he mocks her saying that she just chews guys up and spits them out. And upon hearing this, Caitlin just gets more upset and she just walks away as Joey realizes that, come on, dumbass. Yeah, she got the cooties, but she's, she's getting free of them now. Anyway, Joey then meets up with Wheels and Snake in the lunch line where we find out that Snake once again failed his test after going the wrong way on a one-way street. Dwayne then shows up and intentionally bumps into them and calls them all cockroaches, which annoys Joey. And as Dwayne walks further away, Joey starts to make fun of him. <laughs> ah, and he mocks Dwayne by saying, Hi, I'm Dwayne. I'm really stupid. <laughs> and, they, and the zits start imitating monkeys. And I remember watching this scene, especially the I'm really stupid bit. Back in the day, you see back then I recorded the episode on VHS. And when I just kept rewinding that bit over and over. I remember back in the day and laughed my ass off at Joey making fun of him. It was great. But anyway, <laughs> Dwayne overhears the zit remedy making fun of him. And they quickly stop. We then go to the library where Alex is making copies of the science test for Tessa. And he reminds her not to tell anybody. Tessa then joins Scooter in the library. and He's also worried about the science test and upsetting his parents. And upon hearing this, Tessa tells Scooter (laughs) about the photocopy test on the condition that he doesn't tell anybody. Later on, Joey sees that his mom has arrived at school for the meeting. And they head on in after Joey wonders what the problem might be. The the psychologist reveals that Joey seems to have a learning disability called dysgraphia. (sighs) And this gets Joey upset as he thinks that this means that he's stupid. But they assure him that he's not stupid. He's very bright. He just has a problem expressing himself on paper. And he was able to get away with it up until high school, which is a lot uh, more more liberal and, yeah, a lot different. So it's not as easy in high school. But they say they want to put him in a special class for one period a day. And upon hearing this, Joey spaces out and he's just upset listening as they continue to talk about him. The next day, Caitlin tells Maya that she didn't study for the science test because she can't stop thinking about the court case. Elsewhere, Scooter is at his locker, sitting there, when he overhears Luke and Yick talking about the science test, believing both believing that they're going to fail, and Luke saying that his parents are going to kill him. Scooter, after saying he wouldn't tell anybody, <laughs> he then asks both Yick and Luke, how much would it be worth to them to have guaranteed success on this test? And Luke says a lot. Scooter then shows them the test and he makes copies for them. <laughs> Come on! And after this happens, Yick makes copy for Arthur, who got his who, who got a good chunk of the hair cut off the back of his head. I still say he needed to be buzz cutted. Arthur then makes copies of the test for Melanie, <laughs> who makes copies of the test for Kathleen, who makes copies of the test for other kids, who makes copy of the test for kids, and so on until Well, all of course on the condition that nobody tell anybody. <laughs> Oh my god. Later on, Joey is sitting in his locker upset when Snake and Wheels show up. They ask Joey why he's not in class, and Joey tells them that he's not going to classes anymore. 
They ask him why, and Joey tells them that he's going to be put in special ed. Snake tries to cheer him up by saying that, you know, have you seen the teacher in special ed? You know, I've been thinking of transferring in there, but that doesn't work with Joey. He's not, that doesn't work at all. He's just not happy. Joey doesn't see the point in staying in school if he's dumb. And he says he's going to quit. And now that he's got his license, he's going to get a job delivering pizzas. Or pizzas. And he says that this is the last day he's going to be there. But Snake and Wheels do not believe him. Meanwhile, classes are ready to begin and Luke wonders if perhaps the science test will be different this year as Mr. Webster arrives with the test and he hands them out. And upon seeing these tests, all the students smile big time as it's obviously the same test once again that Mr. Webster gives out. I can understand why teachers would do this. I wonder if all teachers do this actually. I took, like, for, uh, for example, in high school, I took grade 12 law twice. And uh, because I loved law, the course was amazing. I want I took it a second time to get an upgrade, but well, that was my reason for it. The real reason was because the the course and the teacher, Mr. Jones, at Royal High School, my favorite favorite teacher of all time, he made that class so damn interesting. That's why I took it again. So it was great. But yeah, I don't know if he actually gave the same tests every year. I didn't keep my tests, but yeah, I took the same course twice on purpose, not because I failed, but because I just loved the course. It was great. Anyway, meanwhile, Joey is still sitting at his locker, and he's or he's at his locker, and he's cleaning it out now. When Dwayne shows up, Dwayne starts to mock Joey by imitating a monkey, asking Joey if he thinks it's funny because his little friends thought it was funny earlier. And he continues to imitate the monkey. Joey then gets ticked off, and he starts to push Dwayne. Dwayne calls Joey a cockroach, and this just sets Joey off. And Joey just lunges at Dwayne and they start to fight him. And Joey actually eventually got a, he, he got Dwayne in the mount position and started laying in some ground and pound until Radich and another teacher showed up to break up the fight. And this was Dwayne's second fight this week, which means a suspension as Joey is given detention. Later on, classes end and Tessa is excited about passing the test and kisses Alex on the cheek. Caitlin leaves the class and bumps into Claude who's there outside waiting for her. He tells Caitlin he can't go to court with her. He says that his parents said that he can't go. <laughs> and Caitlin says that you, you, you knew they would say no, that's why you asked them. And Claude says that, you know, his parents aren't as cool as hers. They're not, you know, his, her parents are very liberal. And he starts to make up excuses like, what if, this, what if the security guard is there and he recognizes me? Caitlin then gets ticked off as the cooties are officially gone. And she's meant she reminds Claude that the reason to vandalize the place was his idea. And he ran. And if he didn't run, she wouldn't have gotten stuck. But then again, if he didn't run, she'd still have cooties, man. If he helped her out, she would still have she would have cooties. She bloody hell, she'd be have a breakout on her face by now. And when Claude tries to calm Caitlin down. She takes a swipe at his face, knocking his glasses off, gives him a bloody nose, and Radich saw the whole thing, and he sends Caitlin to detention as Claude stands there like a Claude, looking like he's about to start whining like a bitch. <laughs> Later in detention, Caitlin arrives as Joey is already there. What's Miss Goody Two-Shoes doing in detention? 
I... I got in a fight. Ooh, what happened? Some guy didn't jump when you told him to? I know. He didn't jump high enough, right? You are really stupid, you know that? Thanks. No, you are. In fact, I don't think I've ever met anyone as dumb or as ignorant as you. You know what? You're right. Joey Jeremiah, Mr. Learning Disabled. Since when are you learning disabled? Since yesterday. They want to put me in special ed. Deal. Lots of people are in special ed. Not this guy. Right after school, I'm out of here. I'm never coming back. Oh, that's really intelligent. Why not? There's no point in staying here. You know, I've got a disability, too. I've got epilepsy. But that doesn't stop me. Yeah, but you're not stupid. I am. No, you're not. Unless you drop out of school. That's really dumb. You know, when we were going together, you had a lot more guts. Oh, they never should have broken these two up, but, you know, you, sometimes you got to take that little detour to get back to the, to the cool stuff, damn it. But it was funny seeing Kaylin in detention. It was surreal. <laughs> it was funny. I thought it was, I thought I got a little chuckle out of it. And the, uh, the a lot more guts line was great. So, well done, Caitlin. We go to the next day. Maya sees Caitlin and she tells Caitlin that she's going to be there for Caitlin's court case to be support as she's canceled her appointment with the doctor because it was just a checkup. Caitlin is happy to hear this. We go inside where Snake and Wheels po poke fun at Joey for showing up and not being serious about quitting. Joey tells them that because of his learning disability, it doesn't mean he's stupid. And meanwhile, he got, his snake, he got his license while Snake didn't. Wheels says that they knew Joey wasn't serious about, you know, not about quitting school. And Joey says that he was serious, but he just changed his mind. He then enters science class with Mr. Webster following shortly thereafter. Mr. Webster tells the class that he was pleased with the test results. <laughs> as almost everybody, as everybody was either... Perfect or near perfect. And he tells them that his test was way too easy for their sharp young minds. And thus he's come up with a brand new test. Which they will write now. <laughs> the class is not happy about this as tests are handed out. Caitlin takes a copy of the test. Turns to hand it to the desk behind her where she sees Joey who's behind her. They, uh, they see each other. Caitlin is obviously happy to see Joey is still there. Joey's uh, is uh, happy that Caitlin talks some sense into him. They smile. Joey looks off into the distance, ready to rock. We get the freeze frame and the credits. A great, great episode. Finally, Claude. Well, well, he's not gone. <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything. Soothing, black and warm. He's not gone yet, but. Still a great episode, especially this Mr. Webster. Yeah, man, you tell those clowns. So, you know, keep your mouth shut. 
Alex Mann. Come on, man. Tessa was, as I've said, I I crushed on a lot of the Degrassi girls back in the day, and Tessa was one of them. Alex was just, he was thinking with his manhood. He should have just said no. Just have everybody look up to him and his, his supposed intelligence in science anyway. But no, he just, he was just, uh, he was uh, brainwashed by Tessa's, Tessaness, who is just a big problem. <laughs> she's going to be an even bigger problem. But, it, you know, uh, she's not the only one who's a problem. We're going to find out in schools out. But yeah, Tessa, you're a problem. Keep your mouth shut. Anyway, that was the Grassy Buddy episode 17. Join me next week as we are going to review, recap the final two episodes of Degrassi High Season 1. That's right, it's just going to be a two-episoder. Episodes 14 and 15 entitled It Creeps and Stressed Out. And go to CerealAndGrapeJuice.com for more episodes of Degrassi Buddy, Movie Buddy, uh, recipe cooking videos with recipes, and more. Listen to Degrassi Buddy on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. Tell people about it. And once again, go check out uh, Narbles and Broomheads. And also, I figured out that obviously, since I do three, sometimes four episodes recap per episode of Degrassi Buddy, SerealGrapeJuice.com, obviously this show is coming to an end. And uh, as of now... I'm not going to be moving on to Degrassi Next Generation, but who knows what the future will tell, will hold. But I do know one thing that the future will hold is that we will be moving on to another classic school television series after Degrassi Buddy. I do have the entire series of Saved by the Bell on DVD, and we will be moving on after Degrassi High to Bayside Buddy. So be uh, be ready for that for Zach. I don't have uh, Miss Bliss's class. That's not on the, the this DVD set. So we're going to start with Degrassi Degrassi with with uh, Say by the Bell episode one. But that's not for another few weeks. Just giving everybody a heads up. If you're a big Say by the Bell fan as well, Screech and Lisa Turtle and Jesse Spano, and uh, eventually Jesse Spano leaves. Obviously, after she goes and does a striptease movie, and they get another kid in. And Kelly also leaves. Yeah, a lot of stuff happens. There's five seasons. Plus, this set comes with two of the Saved by the Bell movies, which I've never watched. So, anyway, that's going to be coming. Bayside Buddy. Keep an eye out. Thanks for listening. And uh, stay tuned next week for Degrassi Buddy Episode 18. As I said, recapping the final two episodes of Degrassi High. And then after that, of course, we'll be moving on to Season 2 of Degrassi High. And then School's Out. And then Bayside Buddy. We will see you next week. One, two, three, one, two, three.